reading from Haggai chapter 2, verses 1 to 9. Haggai chapter 2, verses 1 to 9. In the second year of King Darius, on the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, Who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. And work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth the sea, and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place I will grant peace declares the Lord Almighty. Thanks, Amanda, for reading that. Uh, good morning to you if you're watching uh, from home. Uh, if you've got a Bible nearby, uh, keep um, keep that open in front of you, and, and good morning as well to those of, uh, those of us who are, who are able to be here in uh, the building as well. If you've got a Bible with you this morning, do bring a Bible along with you. Uh, keep it open uh, at this passage we're, we're going to look at. We are, we are back in Haggai this morning, and if you were, uh, if you were with us uh, last week as we began, we, we saw Haggai encouraging the people of his day to get back on with this job of rebuilding the temple. God said through Haggai, it's up on the screen if you can see it, build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honoured. But it occurred to me, it can be hard sometimes uh, reading the Old Testament. Don't know what you're normally doing during the week. Uh, Maybe you're working in an office for AstraZeneca or something. Maybe you're you're usually in a classroom or, or going to school. Maybe you're working in a farm. Who knows? All sorts of different things. And the people you meet in the Old Testament, they can feel a million miles away from where we are. And you can begin to question as you read it, what, what's the relevance of this uh, for, for me as I go about my life and my work? Well, here's something that might help. Um, God's people in the Old Testament, in some ways, they're, they're living out on this small scale a picture of God's big scale plan for his people in Jesus. So you can think about it this way. Think, uh, think uh, wedding rehearsal and wedding day. Uh, you, you know that the, the rehearsal is not the real day. It's different to the wedding. It takes place on a different day, a different time. People there are wearing different clothes, and it's, it's not quite 
Well, it's not the real thing. It, it looks and feels a bit different. But the shape, the shape is the same. Uh, and the movements that people make at the rehearsal, they are similar to the movements they'll make on the real day. And if you watch the movements at the rehearsal, it will give you a feel for what you're meant to do if you also get to be invited to the big day, the real day. Uh, so too for us, in some ways, looking back to the Old Testament, uh, looking back to the Old Testament, it's, it's different. There are some things that we just won't do, but the shape, if you like, the, the shape is the same. And the movements, the movements these people make in the Old Testament in response to God's grace, uh, pictures on the small scale, uh, our response to Jesus on the big scale. Uh, keep that in mind. Now, we're, uh, we're living in a moment, aren't we, uh, in our part of the world, in our part of history, where, where we're becoming fixated by locations. You'll be aware of that, won't you? Uh, where you are and who you're with is becoming incredibly important. Track and trace. It's all over the place. Maybe you scanned the little thing coming in to the building this morning. And Haggai, I think, would say, look, there's something in that. There's something in this, this track and trace. But for him, it would be about the temple. He's been telling people, look, you want to orientate life around the temple, around this location. And that's because the temple, well, the temple signified God's purpose in the world. It pictured, well, it pictured in a formal location, God's presence with his people. And it was also the place where the sacrifice that provided, enabled forgiveness took place. And and people could be brought back to God, restored to him, brought into his people. And, and Haggai is saying, look, track and trace. Track and trace life to this point. Build your life around this location, this rescuing God who says he will graciously rescue you, bring you back to himself. Build, build the rest of life uh, around this and you could think, well, look, so far, so Old Testament. But you come across the New Testament. And perhaps if you know anything of the Bible, you've been reading it, you're not surprised to hear Jesus being described as the temple. Uh, and you understand what's going on there. The, the rehearsal uh, has given way to the real day. Jesus, well, he is God on earth. He is God present with his people. Here's the location of God's presence with his people. Uh, and he's the real sacrifice that enables forgiveness. The, the temple, if you like, it, it pictures, pictures him. So I guess if Haggai was here with us today, speaking to us like this, he would say, look, it's not the building anymore. Track and trace life to this location, uh, to Jesus. Build, build the rest of life around him. And then you read on in the New Testament, you'll see it pushes it even a little bit further because the New Testament will describe the church as God's temple. Not, not the building, not church buildings, but no, this group of people from all sorts of different backgrounds, all sorts of different experiences, all stages of life, and said, it's these people are God's temple, not because they replaced Jesus, but because it's this community who have been who've come to God through Jesus. 
And incredibly, it says that God will live with them by his spirit. These people that through Jesus he's enabled to find forgiveness, to bring to himself. He comes and is present with them. So, so track and trace life here. Build the rest of life around this community of Jesus. Here's the people you want to track and trace a life to with Jesus. But, but if you want to know how to do that well, if you want some encouragements about how to, to build your life in this way, Haggai will give you a kind of rehearsal day feel for it. Uh, that's, what, that's what this passage will do as we read it. It'll give you a kind of rehearsal day feel for what the kind of movements to make. How should it feel as you go about this? So come back to Haggai 2, this first part of the chapter. If you've got it there in front of me and you, you think what's happening. We said last week one of the things Haggai is really good at is giving his dates. And he gives us another date at the beginning of this chapter. Do you see it there, verse 1? It's the 21st day of the seventh month. And if you did your math looking back into chapter 1, you'd, you'd work out it's roughly about a month on, one month on, since they started rebuilding the temple again. But if you're someone who'd grown up in Israel, you'd also recognize the date for another reason. And that's because this date is the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, one of the, one of the great feasts and celebrations that the people of God in the Old Testament were commanded to celebrate. It was the occasion, the Feast of Tabernacles, when they celebrated God's rescue from Egypt. As he brought them out, of that land of slavery, and he had to, to camp in little tents as he brought them, as he promised, to a land flowing with milk and honey. Uh, they camped on the way, and God had a, his own tent with them there. My people are camping, and I'll camp with them. And so once a year, they used to remember that and celebrate. They'd build little booths uh, and camp to remember that. And everyone would stop work this day and feast. But as we've been reading Haggai, you remember what's going on. Things have been hard in the land. Uh, the harvest, the harvest had, had failed. Things weren't there in much the same way. Uh, the harvest poor. And so this celebration, you, you understand, it would have been like Christmas without the crackers. Uh, the table wouldn't have been as, as well laid. And there doesn't seem to be much to celebrate at the moment about God's great rescue. And then back to this building project. They've been at it for a month. These people that returned to the land, they, they don't have big industrial equipment. You can imagine what they would have done in a month. They might have cleared some of the rubble away. They might have checked out the stones, make sure if there's any foundations they can still use. There wouldn't have been much to show for it. When Solomon, their ancestor, had first got going with building the temple, he'd had mountains of gold. Huge amounts, vast wealth. He was able to bring in skilled craftsmen from, from neighboring countries, people who had the skills to, to build really well. But these guys are, are having to make do with a tight budget and a pretty unspectacular workforce who've just, who've just returned from Babylon. Um, yeah, just turn back. And you think what's going on for them and and the question that's being asked is, look, look, what do you do? What do you do when, when living for God feels like it, it's just a bit flat? And you look at yourself and what you can do and you think, if I'm honest, I suspect I've not got much to offer. I'm, 
I'm just a bit unspectacular in anything I'm doing. The work I'm doing doesn't seem to count for very much. It doesn't move things forward in any way. If you get that in your head, that, that's how these guys would have been feeling. And so it's on this day, with all those kind of feelings, against the, the backdrop of a celebration that probably isn't living up to, to what it could have been, with that backdrop, it's on this day that God sends Haggai with another message to his people, designed to encourage them by, by getting them to look at the right things in the right way. And so for us this morning, something that they're meant to do and, and something that they're not to do. Here, here's the first thing. Here, here's the thing that they're meant to do. Haggai saying to them, keep your eyes. Keep your eyes on God's covenant plan. End of verse 4. If you have a Bible there, just look down with me as I, as I read these again, these words again. End of verse 4. God says through Haggai, I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when I... When you came out of Egypt and my spirit remains with you, do not fear. And then verse 6. In a little while, God says, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the, the dry land. And God says he will, he will fill this house with glory. The silver and gold belongs to him. And then down in verse 9. Towards the end of this message, God says, in this place, in this place, this location, I will grant peace. Haggai is, is saying to the people of his day, look, keep looking, keep looking to your defining past and your guaranteed future. Keep your eyes on those things, your defining past and your guaranteed future. Florence uh, Chadwick was an American swimmer. 1950, she swam the English Channel, uh, France to England. She did it that way. The next year, she came back and did it the other way around, England back to France. I mean, why wouldn't you do it both ways? You'd, you want to make sure you'd, you'd done both things as well. And then in 1952, she attempted the 26-mile swim from Catalina Island to the Californian coast. As she was flanked by small boats on the way. That was to make sure if there's any sharks in the water, uh, they could rescue her. I mean, why would, you even go sw- why would you even go swimming if there's the possibility of sharks? My, my dad took me to see the film Jaws when I was younger. I have no idea why he did that. It terrified me. I didn't even want to go in the sea off the coast of Scotland. Um, and it's just the cold there. There's the thing you're worried about. But she was swimming. She was flanked by little boats just in case there were any sharks in the water, and also, of course, in case she got too tired you know, so they could pull her out. After 15 hours of swimming, it got really foggy. She began to think she couldn't make it. And she tried for another hour, but she was, she was unable to see the coastline because of the fog, and she gave up. And when they pulled her out of the water, uh, they discovered she was less than a mile from the coast. Imagine that, 15, 16 hours in the water and you give up just less than a mile from the coast. A couple of months later, she tried again. It was another foggy day. But she made it this time. And she said, I kept the mental image of the coastline in my mind as I swam. The temptation is always, isn't it? The temptation is always to to be occupied by present difficulties. 
Uh, and you, you understand that. Things can be hard and they, they fill our minds. But the temptation is, I think, to, to always focus on the immediate situation and to make that the measure of everything that is going on for us. And God says to his people through Haggai, I know what you're looking at. I know what's filling up your vision. I know what your eyes are full of. But you need to see yourselves not just in your present difficulties, but in the big picture of my covenant plan. Verse 5, he's saying to them, from the time I rescued you, I promised to be with you, and I still am. So don't be afraid. And then down in verse 6, when he, uh, when he talks about shaking the heavens and the earth, the, the sea and the dry land, you understand it's, it's kind of a poetic way of saying everything. Everything's going to be overturned here. It's, it's going to be a global plan, universal plan that God has. And so in verse 9, when he, when he says, in this place, this funny little temple they're building, in this place I will grant peace, you begin to catch what God's saying. From the time I rescued you, in the past. I promised to be with you and I still am. Don't, don't be afraid and my future plans are to finally fix the world for good. And it will flow from this rescue that is pictured in this temple we're building. That's why you want to keep it at the heart of life. That's why you want to keep your gaze here. So keep your eyes keep your eyes not just on things that are difficult but on my covenant plans. That that's what they're to do. Well, here's what they're not to do. Don't despise what sometimes feels like unspectacular service. It can be discouraging, can't it? You, you've maybe had this experience. It can be discouraging if you, you feel you've been given a job to do that you, you're just not very good at, and you kind of reckon someone else would be better at it. it Solomon, their ancestor, that, that great king when he built the temple, he had far more resources than them. He had far more skilled workmen that he could draw and these guys have next to nothing. And yet God calls them to build and to go about it with energy. You see verse 4. Be strong, Zerubbabel and Joshua. Be strong, all you people of the land, and work, for I am with you. He's not just speaking to the leaders. It isn't just a word for them. It's for, for all of God's people together. Be strong. I'm with you. Work. He knows they don't have much. God's not surprised by that. He knows the resources they've got. But you see what he's saying, verse 7. I will shake all the nations and what is desired by all nations will come and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine. The, uh, the gold is mine. He said at the beginning of the service that God is the creator. He's the one that made everything. Everything belongs to him. You know what God's reminding his people, he's saying to them, look, who do you think stuff belongs to? I know when you've got a little, I know when you've got a lot. Who do you think stuff really belongs to? Do you think I can't get it? If I really wanted it, do you think I couldn't get hold of it? I could move it around, I can move wealth around if I, if I need to, and one day I will, I'll bring it all back. But I don't need you to have much. No, just be excited that in a small way, I've called you to contribute into my building project that will be for the whole world, but it will be for your good as well. 
You might not have gold or silver, but you've got me, says God. So don't despise what often feels like your own unspectacular service. Get on with it. Be strong and build, work. Now you might think, well, that, that's the Old Testament and that's, that's focused around this temple, but, but what about us? Well, the Bible would say, look, we, we're part of a bigger, more glorious picture that the, the temple pointed towards, really. That Old Testament covenant, promise that God made with these people that Haggai spoke about, it was sealed. It was, it was committed to in blood. A lamb was slain. Violence was done to it. It took the place of the guilty so they could be guaranteed forgiveness. Even that is a picture because the real covenant was committed to by Jesus and violence was done to him at the cross. Blood flowed from him so that forgiveness could flow to you and to me and to anyone who will come to him. That's what God's like. It's the God of the Bible committed to his people to that extent. When he says, I'm with you, he's, he's not mucking around there. He's in it all the way. And the Lord Jesus, who, who gave himself for the world, he's, he's now the location for meeting with God. He's the location for forgiveness. He's the location for, for hope in the face of coronavirus or anything else. He's, he's the location for hope in the face of death. He's the location of the biggest, the best, the most exciting news that the world has, has ever known. And, and yet, with the restrictions we're facing at the moment, do you feel sometimes it's just a bit hard? Life's felt a bit harder, and I don't feel like I've got much to offer. And Jesus would say to you, from the moment I rescued you, from the moment I rescued you in the past, I have promised to be with you, and I am, so don't be afraid. And my, my covenant plans will, will fix the world, so you keep your eyes on that. And I've got all the resources I need. So don't despise your, your own, what feels like at times, your own unspectacular service, if you feel that way about it. Be strong and work where you are. Give you a little bit. I'm with you. Our church family together, the Lord has, has chosen us. He's, he's called us. And if, if things are a bit harder for us, what are we meant to do? Are we meant to ask to be excused from his service? It's too hard. I'd like to be let out from this now. Should we look to be excused from it with such a captain as this? The Lord Jesus, the way he's been committed to us, shouldn't we, shouldn't we think instead what a joy it is to serve him? to have him as our Lord, our King, our Captain, our Saviour and to be involved in his cause that's for the good of the whole world. That's what he's involved us in, to be part of his family. Now, we've got limited time on Sunday mornings. It might have set you thinking, we're going to try and, and apply this a bit more as we meet in our small groups this week. But one of the things I was wondering about, I was thinking about myself over this lockdown period, We've been meeting online and, and I think we noticed numbers as we, we gathered for prayer, our monthly prayer meeting. Numbers went down a little bit and I just wonder if, if part of the reason for that sometimes it would be that we started thinking it just feels hard and I think I'm a bit unspectacular and me showing up to pray is not going to make much difference anyway and we lose hearts 
begin to give up. And God says, look, keep your eyes. Keep your eyes on my covenant plan. And don't despise what feels like unspectacular service. From the moment I rescued you in the past, I've promised to be with you. And I still am. So don't be afraid. Let's pray. Have a, have a moment of quiet yourselves. Maybe there's some thoughts you want to, to bring to the Lord. You can do that at home. Just have a moment uh, just to pray and to be quiet. Something you might want to say to the Lord yourself. And then I'll lead us in a prayer.